0: Chapter Twenty Two of the Narrative of Sojourner Truth This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Narrative of Sojourner Truth by Olive Gilbert and Sojourner Truth. Chapter Twenty Two Gleanings. There are some hard things that crossed Isabella's life while in slavery, that she has no desire to publish, for various reasons. First, because the parties from whose hands she suffered them have rendered up their account to a higher tribunal, and their innocent friends alone are living to have their feelings injured by the recital. Secondly, because they are not all for the public ear, from their very nature thirdly and not least because she says were she to tell all that happened to her as a slave all that she knows is god's truth it would seem to others especially the uninitiated so unaccountable so unreasonable and what is usually called so unnatural though it may be questioned whether people do not always act naturally they would not easily believe it why no she says they'd call me a liar they would indeed and i do not wish to say anything to destroy my own character for veracity though what i say is strictly true some things have been omitted through forgetfulness which not having been mentioned in their places can only be briefly spoken of here such as that her father Bomefrey, had had two wives before he took mamma One of whom, if not both, were torn from him by the iron hand of the ruthless trafficker in human flesh. That her husband, Thomas, after one of his wives had been sold away from him, ran away to New York City, where he remained a year or two, before he was discovered and taken back to the prison house of slavery. That her master, Dumont, when he promised Isabella one year of her time before the state should make her free, made the same promise to her husband, and in addition to freedom, they were promised a log cabin for a home of their own, all of which, with the one thousand and one daydreams resulting therefrom, went into the repository of unfulfilled promises and unrealized hopes. That she had often heard her father repeat a thrilling story of a little slave child, which, because it annoyed the family with its cries, was caught up by a white man who dashed its brains out against the wall. An Indian, for Indians were plenty in that region then, passed along as the bereaved mother washed the bloody corpse of her murdered child, and learning the cause of its death, said with characteristic vehemence, If I had been here, I would have put my tomahawk in his head, meaning the murderers. Of the cruelty of one Hasbrook. He had a sick slave woman who was lingering with a slow consumption, whom he made to spin regardless of her weakness and suffering. And this woman had a child that was unable to walk or talk at the age of five years, neither could it cry like other children, but made a constant piteous moaning sound. This exhibition of helplessness and imbecility, instead of exciting the master's pity, stung his cupidity, and so enraged him that he would kick the poor thing about like a football. Isabella's informant had seen this brute of a man, when the child was curled up under a chair, innocently amusing itself with a few sticks, drag it hence, that he might have the pleasure of tormenting it. She had seen him, with one blow of his foot, send it rolling quite across the room, and down the steps at the door oh how she wished it might instantly die but she said it seemed as tough as a moccasin though it did die at last and made glad the heart of its friends and its persecutor no doubt rejoiced with them but from very different motives but the day of his retribution was not far off for he sickened and his reason fled it was fearful to hear his old slave soon tell how in the day of his calamity she treated him she was very strong and was therefore selected to support her master as he sat up in bed by putting her arms around while she stood behind him it was then that she did her best to wreak her vengeance on him she would clutch his feeble frame in her iron grasp as in a vice and when her mistress did not see would give him a squeeze a shake and lifting him up set him down again as hard as possible if his breathing betrayed too tight a grasp and her mistress said be careful don't hurt him soane her ever ready answer was oh no missus no in her most pleasant tone and then as soon as missus's eyes and ears were engaged away another grasp another shake another bounce she was afraid the disease alone would let him recover an event she dreaded more than to do wrong herself isabella asked her if she were not afraid his spirit would haunt her oh no says soane he was so wicked the devil will never let him out of hell long enough for that many slaveholders boast of the love of their slaves how would it freeze the blood of some of them to know what kind of love rankles in the bosoms of slaves for them witness the attempt to poison mrs calhoun and hundreds of similar cases most surprising to everybody because committed by slaves supposed to be so grateful for their chains these reflections bring to mind a discussion on this point between the writer and a slaveholding friend in kentucky on Christmas morning, 1846. We had asserted that until mankind were far in advance of what they are now, irresponsible power over our fellow-beings would be, as it is, abused. Our friend declared it was his conviction that the cruelties of slavery existed chiefly in imagination, and that no person in D County, where we then were, but would be above ill-treating a helpless slave we answered that if his belief was well founded the people in kentucky were greatly in advance of the people of new england for we would not dare say as much as that of any school district there letting alone counties no we would not answer for our own conduct even on so delicate a point the next evening he very magnanimously overthrew his own position and established ours by informing us that on the morning previous and as near as we could learn at the very hour in which we were earnestly discussing the probabilities of the case a young woman of fine appearance and high standing in society the pride of her husband and the mother of an infant daughter only a few miles from us i in d county too was actually beating in the skull of a slave woman called tabby and not content with that had her tied up and whipped after her skull was broken and she died hanging to the bedstead to which she had been fastened when informed that tabby was dead she answered i am glad of it for she has worried my life out of me but tabby's highest good was probably not the end proposed by mrs m for no one supposed she meant to kill her tappy was considered quite lacking in good sense and no doubt belonged to that class at the south that are silly enough to die of moderate correction a mob collected around the house for an hour or two in that manner expressing a momentary indignation but was she treated as a murderess not at all she was allowed to take a boat for her residence was near the beautiful ohio that evening to spend a few months with her absent friends after which she returned and remained with her husband no one to molest or make her afraid had she been left to the punishment of an outraged conscience from right motives i would have rejoiced with exceeding joy but to see the life of one woman and she a murderess put in the balance against the lives of three millions of innocent slaves and to contrast her punishment with what i felt would be the punishment of one who was merely suspected of being an equal friend of all mankind regardless of color or condition caused my blood to stir within me and my heart to sicken at the thought the husband of mrs m was absent from home at the time alluded to and when he arrived, some weeks afterwards, bringing beautiful presents to his cherished companion, he beheld his once happy home deserted, Tabby murdered and buried in the garden, and the wife of his bosom and the mother of his child, the doer of a dreadful deed, a murderess. When Isabella went to New York City, she went in company with a Miss Greer, who introduced her to the family of Mr. James Tourette a wealthy merchant and a methodist in religion but who the latter part of his life felt that he had outgrown ordinances and advocated free meetings holding them at his own dwelling-house for several years previous to his death she worked for them and they generously gave her a home while she labored for others and in their kindness made her as one of their own at that time the moral reform movement was awakening the attention of the benevolent in that city many women among whom were mrs la tourette and miss greer became deeply interested in making an attempt to reform their fallen sisters even the most degraded of them and in this enterprise of labor and danger they enlisted isabella and others who for a time put forth their most zealous efforts and performed the work of missionaries with much apparent success. Isabella accompanied those ladies to the most wretched abodes of vice and misery, and sometimes she went where they dared not follow. They even succeeded in establishing prayer meetings in several places, where such a thing might least have been expected. But these meetings soon became the most noisy, shouting, ranting, and boisterous of gatherings. Where they became delirious with excitement and then exhausted from overaction. Such meetings Isabel had not much sympathy with, at best. But one evening she attended one of them, where the members of it, in a fit of ecstasy, jumped upon her cloak in such a manner as to drag her to the floor. And then, thinking she had fallen in a spiritual trance, they increased their glorifications on her account. Jumping, shouting, stamping, and clapping of hands, rejoicing so much over her spirit and so entirely overlooking her body that she suffered much, both from fear and bruises, and ever after refused to attend any more such meetings, doubting much whether God had anything to do with such worship. End of chapter twenty two. Recording by Lucretia B.